When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. The season may have finished, but here at Football Social Daily, we certainly have not. The weekend was full of late drama around Europe as domestic competitions came to a close, but it's time to focus on European tournaments wrapping up as the Europa League final takes centre stage tonight. We'll be looking forward to Manchester United versus Villarreal in Poland and asking who's going to take Europe's second best competition. There's also the small matter of the England squad being announced. Well, it's actually a 33-man squad because Southgate can't decide on who to take on the train to the Euros. Who gets cut from the selection? Who's that unlucky seven? And who should start in just over two weeks' time when England get their European Championships campaign underway? We've also got your questions on our AQA section towards the end of the podcast. And to answer them, we've got Matt Pidd and Ian Brannan joining me today. How are you guys doing? Sound as a pound. Yeah, good, thanks. Aye. All good. All excited for the Euros? Oh, yes, yes. I've got my Vuvuzela out. Is it, is it still that kind of tournament? <laughs> it could be. I think I that was 10 what... years ago, Ian. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if, if we had a, a national instrument... What would it be? I wonder what it would be. Uh, trombone. <laughs> Just the, the Barmy Army coming to England uh, with, the, with the random bits of trombones that they found in a Kinder Egg or something. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, let's, uh, while we're talking about England, let's, let's start with England. Because yesterday, um, Gareth Southgate announced his provisional squad for the Euros. Um, he named 33 players, which is a huge amount. Seems like a, I can't decide who I'm going to take, so I'm going to do a big squad and try and trim them down. Uh, basically, he signed it. He signed up a, a 33-man squad, basically to have a look at everyone's injuries. There's injuries over uh, concerns over Maguire, um, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and also Jordan Henderson. Uh, Calvin Phillips as well so there's a few potentially forced to drop out there um, but of the seven you guys have seen the squad obviously yesterday coming out was there anyone unlucky Ian who I mean I'm talking to you first because obviously you're a Leeds fan I think you might have somebody um, but Ian is there anyone who you would you would definitely definitely take who hasn't made the cut? Well, the obvious one, the one that's been talked about the most, is Patrick Bamford. I mean, is there another nationality that's taking part in this tournament or any other tournament that when you're selecting eight or ten forwards for a for a team, that you don't take the person who's scored the second highest amount of goals in the Premier League that season? Uh, it just seems bonkers to me. And it's because... Well, reading Gareth Southgate's comments on it, because Gareth Southgate sort of explained his thinking, and he's sort of going back to, well, in March, this was my thinking and I'm sticking with it. That's basically what it is. He's decided who he's going to be taking back in March. Well, you know, surely now is the time you're announcing the squad. You can see what he's done. If if his name wasn't Patrick Bamford and his name was anybody else, would would we not just be having that person in the squad at this stage? Especially as it's it's not the final cut, as you say. There are other players in there who are there or thereabouts. 
he has bagged the goals. Now, the frustrating thing is, now being as a Leeds fan, and I can, I do see where maybe the question mark comes with Patrick, Lord Patrick, as he now is. He's been, uh, he's been given an honorary lordship by by a fan who bought it for him. Um, so Lord Patrick is, <laughs> is, is. Uh, uh, He's a little bit. He has had. He's wasted a few chances, right? To be honest, he got seventeen goals. To be honest, he could have smashed thirty. Easy. He's, he has missed that many. <laughs> That's the thing. He could have had way more. He could have been up there with Harry 17 Kane. Seventeen goals ain't bad, though, Ian. No, seventeen goals isn't bad. Look at who else is on seventeen goals. You're talking players like Bruno Fernandez. You're talking like you know he's just behind him in the stats. You'd take Bruno Fernandez, wouldn't you, if he was English? What about Mo Salah? There's only those two and Harry Kane who are actually better in the in the stats for forwards. But yet you've got other players there in the in the in the lineup that yeah they're there because they've just kind of always been there. It, it is frustrating, and I think it comes down to he's not. Um, he is media savvy. He speaks very well. I don't know. Is he too intelligent? I know he comes across as posh. I know he went to a private school and all that, and he has that labelled at him. Um, Sean Dyche, you know, ex- excluded him apparently because of yeah, because he had of that Dyche thing, didn't he? The, the... Yeah, and it's all because yeah, yeah. and he, he isn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He's just had a good education, and I think he's just not quite fashionable enough in somewhere along the line. I'm not saying that's necessarily um, Gareth Southgate's thing, but he hasn't got the same sort of noise around him that some of the other players have. And, you know, throw enough crap, some sticks, doesn't it? When you're hyping people up and Patrick hasn't had all that hype, but yet he is doing it on the pitch. It must be very frustrating. He must be wondering, well, you know, I'm second top scorer in England, in the Premier League, there's only one player who scored more goals than me for my, in, you know, in my nationality, and that's Harry Kane. Surely that should be enough to get me in with a sniff, a sniff of being in the squad. But no, I, I, I feel sorry for him. Um, I don't know what he's got to do. I, I just don't. He just seems like he's always been overlooked, but he's doing the job. As I say, he, if he was a little bit more clinical, and that's the only argument, if he was a bit more clinical... He would have had loads more goals, loads, at least another ten. I think um, it was. It, it seemed like a straight choice, didn't it, between Bamford and Watkins? And, and Watkins seems to have got the got the nod. Probably, I'm, I'm assuming, maybe because of his age, he's a little bit younger. But I mean, it's not as if we're talking about a, a journeyman striker who's had a good season in, in Bamford. He's he's 27. He's in his prime. He's tall. He can. He's good in the air. But he's certainly harsh to uh, to leave him out. But it's interesting there. You say how many um, how many countries would leave out their second top scorer? Spain have done it as well. Have they? All right. Well, Spain there you go. have um, <laughs> Spain have taken their top scorer. Yeah, but obviously it it is a complete freak of a situation. I, I just wondered because a lot of people were mourning um, in the Spanish selection. They've took Gerard Moreno, which is fine. He's their probably their starting striker. Um, but then they've left out Iago Aspas, who was uh, you know was a Liverpool was winner, yeah. useless at Liverpool. Yeah, um, he got fourteen goals last season. Um, Gerard Moreno got twenty three in the league, and I'm just looking at his stats here, and he's been left out. So maybe it's something where Aspas and Bamford can start their own country or something, get involved. <laughs> to be fair, if I, if I was Bamford, there's, there's been I think Ireland have, have, have tried to um, have tried to call him up in the past. And he's been holding out for England, never never giving up on, yeah. on the English thing. But at this point, if Ireland took, if if I was Bamford and, and Ireland said, "Come on, you know what about now?" I I would be going to, to Ireland and saying, "Yeah, well, you know, some some international football is better than nothing," and constantly being overlooked and that kind of thing. But Matt, we'll we'll move on to who who did make the uh, who did make the squad. There was a couple of uh, names in there that were. That we've never seen before. So Ben Godfrey, Ben White, and Aaron Ramsdale have all been picked for the first time. Um, we mentioned it's a thirty-three man squad. Can you see them making making the final squad, or do you think they're just there for to make up the numbers? Because Godfrey and White have got in ahead of the likes of Eric Dyer, Lewis Dunk, James Tarkowski, all these types of people. Uh, Michael Keane's been left out as well. Um, so do you think they're they're genuine replacements, or do you think they're just like um, fluff to be cut? I, yeah, I think I think it's just there to make it easier for for Gareth Southgate to to do the cutting when when the time's right. As as good a season th- those lads have had, you know, enough respect to them. They've got themselves mentioned within the England ranks uh, by you know by merit alone. But 
they ain't going to the um, they ain't going to the Orioles, I'm afraid. And you know that's that's no disrespect to them. There's just better players ahead of them in the squad. And you know, I was I was thinking before when we was talking about Bamford. You know, he, out of the the, the centre forwards that have actually been picked for the squad, he's like I said, he's got the second best stats. You've got Dominic Calvert Lewin, who's got sixteen goals, no assists, and Watkins fourteen goal, five assists. That's that's still promising in itself, even though that I think Bamford should have been picked ahead of them. I, I can't say maybe maybe Calvert Lewin just because of the 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 threat he provides with his physicality. I'm not sure, but um. I think the way Gareth Southgate's operating right now, I think Harry Kane will be main, the only one really that will be in that position if he's if he's starting. If Harry Kane was to get injured, I'd see the the system slightly changing a little bit. But yeah, that those players that you, that you mentioned there, Marley, they, they've been pitched basically to to um to make things easy for him for when the um the, the time comes for him to to start cutting names out. As as much as like I said before, that they've had decent seasons. Yeah, I think it's just, it's just basically there to to make things easier for him when the time's right well you say so you say they they're going to get cut who who would your seven cuts be from that 33 man squad so you could have a maximum of seven um i think spain have only named 24 players so you could you you can cut nine if you want but for uh, for argument's sake who are your seven that you'd you'd cut i I was going to cut two goalkeepers but i don't think you can can you because i think you need is it a minimum of three in a tournament yeah three goalkeepers yeah it's a crap so rule that I w- yeah do you know what i'd do is. genuinely I've, I've thought this for years i would take two and i would nominate an outfield player as a goalkeeper okay yeah in case yeah yeah and right. and then they can say well well, well he's not going to play in goal and you'd be like well neither neither is the third choice goalie and then when you're bringing on your third choice goalie is your you know emergency striker just yeah. stick it, stick it in the face <laughs> of you, eh? <laughs> it's a rubbish that, rule. That three's, you don't need three. No, um, so that's that's gone into my um, my thinking with the seven cuts. Um, I'm gonna cut Johnston, and this was a hard one actually. But we have got too many right backs. <laughs> I think we've got four, but we've picked. <laughs> He's won the league with Atletico this season, but Trippier, I'd, I'd have to cut him. Um, White, Godfrey, Jim's not gonna like me for this one. Lingard. Um, Saka and um, I cut Ollie Watkins. Watkins, well, interesting yeah. there. Ramsdale over Ramsdale over Johnston. Yeah, I'd have, I'd have Ramsdale over Johnston. All right, fair enough. Ian, what about you? Who's your who's your seven unlucky seven? Uh, well, I would I would um, put on the unlucky train um, Aaron Ramsdale because um, well he's he's I mean I don't know finishing bottom of the Premier League is is that a good thing for a goalkeeper or not? Um, something else to discuss a different day. Maybe he's <laughs> more experienced. Year in a row, I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, Aaron Ramsdale, Ben White, Ben Godfrey, Reese James. Uh, these, I mean, just because if we go in on experience and all that, which seems to be the thing that you know Gareth Southgate's going on about. Well, you know, we've all been together in March, and I'm wanting to keep the boys together. Why then would you insert some new faces if that's the argument for not taking Patrick Bamford? So, surely it can't be the same argument that, that goes the other way for somebody else. Um, Connor Cody, Mason Greenwood, and Bukayo Saka. Um, am I Greenwood? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, d- I just think when you look at the who else, I don't know. It's 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 a toss up in it. You, you, there's, there's a few that you could you could. Uh, it's tough. Um, you know, they're all good players. They're all good players. So somebody's got to miss out. And who do you leave? Um, I've left the midfield alone, raj- largely there. Um, but um, yeah, those would be my seven. Uh, yeah, just basically on a hunch. <laughs> There's no science to it. Uh, so, who, who, which defenders did you go for there? So you went for White. Oh, who I took out. Um, so yeah, what White um, and Godfrey. All oh, right. So you so you take all Cody, you, didn't you as well? And Cody, yeah. yeah. Oh wow. So you take all four right backs. Oh, yeah. I think just you know, um, yeah. Be, be <laughs> I think I think right backs are a very popular position. Um, <laughs> you need competition, and um, everyone loves a right back. Between Trippier and James, <laughs> I struggled there, but I don't know. There's just something about Reese James that I like. I just, I just, I just love his his, um, his versatility going forward. I like, I like, I like his obviously the fact he's got youth on his side as well. And I think that's what we need to turn to a lot at the moment with England. I think we need to start giving the youth a, a, a more of a chance on these um, on these bigger stages. And I think Reese James for Chelsea this season has as um he has earned the right, and plus he absolutely tore Benjamin Mendy a new one when we, they played us at the Etihad a couple of weeks ago, and he really impressed me that game. So that was that was the reason why I picked James over Trippier. I'll chuck my uh, my names into the pick. I've I would chuck out uh, Ramsdale. I would get rid of 
uh, I would keep Godfrey and White, and I'd get rid of Mings. Um, I'd also get rid of Trippier, which is a tough one. Um, but there's there's three, and then moving on to midfielders, I'd take out Lingard. Um, that's four, and then I would take out Saka, which is five. I would take out Greenwood, which is six, um, and I would also take out Ward Prowse, which is seven. Um, but Henderson and Maguire might not be fit, so two of them could easily be back in. Ward Prowse is the the best replacement for Henderson, I think, um, and Maguire would probably get replaced by, I think, well, under my my thinking there Mings would come back in but instead of bringing Mings back in I would put Michael Keane in because I think he's a better defender but he's missed out completely I'd be, I'd be uh, a little bit disappointed if I was Michael Keane because I, I don't even mentioned was I? Yeah, I don't no. think he's done a massive deal wrong everything haven't been amazing but I mean they've been slightly better than Aston Villa so anyway tough it's it's uh, when we're talking about these types of players not making the squad and not getting a, a cut it tells you how uh, how strong England's selection is because there's there's 50 players that could have easily gone. We could have been named two squads quite simply, I think. Um, but we'll see who he goes for. Um, but, Matt, if you were Gareth Southgate on June the 11th uh, when the tournament starts, who would who would be in your starting 11? And what, what formation? You are the manager for this little uh, this little period. Oh, it's 4-3-3, three, three. it's got to be. Um, <laughs> it's just the way, the way, obviously, Gareth Southgate likes to set up and plus... Pep Guardiola plays that for City, but it's it's a fluid four three three. It's not rigid at all. Um, the the goalkeeper was probably the hardest um, choice for me, yeah. and I had to leave old T Rex arms popping on wrists out because of those <laughs> two um, reasons alone. I'd have to I'd have to start with Dean Henderson in that. Um, obviously, he's, he's he's inexperienced at this at this level. But when he's played for Man United this season, I, I can't really think of anything that he's, he's done wrong. And I think playing him in an international tournament like this can only benefit him. Um, I'd go with Henderson in net, Walker, right back, Maguire, um, if obviously he's fit, Stones, Chilwell, um, left back, and Jordan Henderson, centre mid if he's fit. And I mean, Grealish is counted as a forward, but I'd play him in midfield with Mason Mount as um, either side of Jordan Henderson. And up top, as um, the, the three would be Kane, Foden, and this is probably going to split opinion, Jaden Sancho. Sancho over Sterling. Sancho over Sterling, yep, absolutely. Ooh. Some big calls there. Yep. Ian, um, what are you saying for your starting 11? Yeah, <clears throat> well, a similar sort of um, agony over the goalkeeper situation, but I'm, I'm going to stick with Jordan Pickford because of he, he does have the experience and actually he has performed pretty well in some big matches in the past that's not to say he will this time but uh let's just give him the benefit of the doubt and he's a good Sunderland lad in that as well um <laughs> so you that's know, why I drop him <laughs> yeah well you know le- le- legend around these parts in many ways um in defense then I've gone for Walker Stones Maguire and Shaw you see, playing four three three is a little bit alien, and in terms of um, Calvin Phillips, who I'd love to see start, so I'm putting him in. Um, I think he'd actually <laughs> play better in the middle if Henderson was out. I think that would be his yeah. his perfect place. I, I agree. think he would be brilliant there. So let's actually, I'm, I'm going to recook it. I'm going to say Henderson's injured. That's that problem solved. Phillips in the middle. Uh, Declan Rice and Mason Mount, along with Phillips in midfield. Foden, Sterling, and Kane up front. Plenty of uh, certainly one thing we're, we're agreeing on is we can't leave out Foden from the starting eleven, which uh, I would certainly no. concur with after watching <laughs> no. him. Just in awe of the kid every time he plays, his touch and his ability is insane. But I'm going to chuck my uh, my thing in there as well. My uh, selection. I'd go for four three three as well. Um, I go for little pick-fitting goal with his little tiny arms, um, just just because he's experienced. He's more experienced yeah. than Henderson, and I don't think Henderson's been that good this season since he's uh, been given that chance at Man United. Um, left back, I'd pick Chilwell over Shaw. Um, right back, I would pick as a starter. I'd probably pick. It depends who against, but against most teams, you're gonna have sixty-five percent possession. So I'd pick Trent um, and rely on his crossing. Um, so Trent and Chilwell are the fullbacks. Um, Maguire, if he's fit, alongside Stones. Um, if he's not fit, Maguire, I'd probably go for. Um, I'd probably stick Godfrey in there just for his ball play, and I think he's very good on the ball, and that's uh, and something that would help our possession even more. 
Midfield, I'd go with Rice in the holding role, Mount and uh, Mount and Bellingham, either side of him. Ooh. I've got, I'll just stick him in there. Let's let's just go with the kids Ooh. and see what happens. Um, Bellingham, Mount and Rice. And then up front, Kane as the centre forward, uh, Grealish on the left and Foden on the right. Um, and let's have them all fluid and just running rings around everyone basically so I'd leave out Sterling and Sancho which is crazy really because Sterling's the most uh, capped player in the squad I think he's got 61 caps he's the most experienced player we've got however he isn't coming off the best season for Man City is he so I've left him out on current form yeah absolutely he's not had the best season but he's still quality he's still everyone's got a role to yeah, play yeah. especially them forwards I mean I, I mean I've left Rashford out as well Rashford's obviously got a something to something to prove and something and it's it's hell of a selection, especially up front. But we'll leave it there. We'll see where Southgate uh, goes in. In I think he names his squad next Tuesday, his final twenty-six man squad, and then this time next week, England have got a friendly um, in Middlesbrough, up in up in the northeast. I think um, I think they're playing. Is it Romania or Denmark or someone? Someone, someone pretty rubbish anyway. Uh, but we'll see what he goes for. We'll see what we'll see what happens in a week's time when Gareth Southgate has to trim his thirty-three men down to twenty-six, um, and we'll come back after the break to discuss what's happening tonight when Man United take on Villarreal in the Europa League final. Join us shortly for that. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. We've just talked about England's squad selection and found out that it's Austria and Romania that England are playing in next week. I think they're playing Austria on the Wednesday uh, and Romania on the Sunday, both at the Middlesbrough Stadium, the Riverside Stadium, which you'll probably see a crowd for the first time in God knows how long because we always remember when they were in the Premier League and they struggled to get a crowd in that pretty decent stadium up there. But back onto tonight's action and there's a small matter of the Europa League final. Um, Manchester United looking for their first European final, European competition win since 2017 when they won the Europa League under Jose Mourinho. Um, and they've their opponents tonight in Gdansk are Villarreal. So it's second place in England versus seventh place in Spain. Um, Ian, is it... I don't want to be disrespectful to Villarreal. However, is this Man United to lose? I would say so, pretty much. I think there are going to be fans in this one as well, by the way. They've got uh, big problems with uh, COVID in Poland, but nonetheless, they have uh, allowed some fans into this. And I think there's 2,000 Man United fans, 2,000 Villarreal fans um, allowed into the match tonight. I don't know I don't know how they go about getting there and back. I think that would be pretty tricky. But anyway, if, if they're already there, then all good times. Um, yeah, I think it is Man United to lose, as you, as you point out. Um, Villarreal are not the strongest team of all time in Spain, not even the strongest team of, of this year. As you say, they were 19 points off the top four. Um, and if they're playing in the Premier League, they'll probably be mid-table at best. Um, so Man United should be too strong for them. Um, but it's just how things go. And I think in the Europa League, and I, I, I really don't know what's going to happen when things are expanded even further in in what is the effectively the same sort of tournament, you know, this uh, this conference league the thing that they're doing next year and it's going to have even more teams in it but we are going to get these quirks you know it comes down to one-off uh, one-off occasions uh, as you get to the final closing stages a bit like the FA Cup you're always going to have um, some teams in there a bit of a surprise every now and again and um, you know it's their their big moment of glory I suppose you never know cup final anything can happen but I think Man United should have too much both experience and skill for uh, for Villarreal well let me just uh, sum up where Villarreal... So they finished 7th in Spain. Um, if they were in England and they'd put that points total, they got 58 points, that would have made them finish 10th in the Premier League and missed out on the Europa League, the uh, UEFA Conference League and everything else. They'd be just above Aston Villa in uh, in 10th. So 19 points... Below Leeds. <laughs> just maybe, yeah. Uh, they were 19 points off the top four, Matt. Um, but they do have Unai Emery, who yeah. every other year wins the uh, wins the Europa League, except when he's with Arsenal. So, um, is it is that something to be wary of? Can he can he do it again? Because he has a weird love affair with this competition. It just isn't showing any signs of going away. 
Well, personally tonight, I hope he has a good evening. Um, no. <laughs> um, but Villarreal this season, you know, they're they're undefeated. You know, they've 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 won eleven and drawn twice, and they've on, they've only conceded eight goals and kept seven clean sheets. And you know, they've scored twenty seven in Europe this season, averaging like two goals a game. So they are a decent prospect in Europe. I think the the league situation obviously speaks for itself. So they've not done too well in La Liga this season. Obviously, United have, have got a far sort of like stronger squad than them. But I don't know. Like you've just you were just saying there about Unai Emery, he has the, he has this weird love affair with the Europa League and you know cup finals, one off affairs. You know all it takes is one moment of uh, madness or one moment of sheer quality from one side to win it. So I, I don't think it's as cut and dry as as what people are making out. Obviously, if United have their their strongest eleven out and Villarreal have their strongest eleven. United's obviously beats them hands down, but you know football isn't played on paper; it's played on the pitch. And Villarreal tonight just could have one of those magical evenings for them. You know, like we like, like we were just saying about Emery, he has this 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 knack of the um, winning Europa League. He won it three times on the trot for for Sevilla. Um, pers- personally, it's it's it, it probably is going to be tough, but I don't know. Maybe there's there's just a little romantic inside me, the football romantic inside me that. That, that thinks that Villarreal have got a chance tonight. I think if, um, obviously, Moreno scored a full of goals this season, I think he's scored, scored 31, is it? Um, if he's on form tonight, you've got Torres as well, who's centre-half for them, who's, who's a decent centre-half. If everyone pulls in the right direction tonight for Villarreal, I, I still think they've, they've, they've got a chance and um, it's it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a decent game. And, yeah, hopefully um, hopefully Villarreal can do the business, obviously, for me being a City fan point of view. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think it's you uh, having the, the love affair sort of fairy tale thing. <laughs> I think it's you being a, a Man City fan that uh, <laughs> wants Villarreal to do to turn them over. But um, you mentioned as well the um, if both teams have their strongest team out. Ian, it looks like Harry Maguire is not going to be part of the Man United eleven. Um Apparently, I think Solskjaer said yesterday that, yesterday that he's going to have a jog in the warm-up. Um, and see see how his ankle feels or how his foot feels or whatever his, his specific problem is. But that's going to lead probably to the incredibly unpredictable and entertaining partnership of Eric Bailly and Victor Lindelof, possibly. <laughs> can, can you win? I mean, it'd be worth watching just to see what Bailly does, what craziness Bailly pulls out of his, uh, out of his locker, but... Do you think that can they can hold it together for ninety minutes to to shackle a striker like Gerard Moreno, who's got thirty one goals in all competitions this season? Yeah, it's um, it, it is going to be rolling the dice slightly. As I say, when it comes down to a one off tournament, anything can happen, and this could be that unknown feature of the game that really uh, you know casts the uh, that what should be a certainty perhaps into doubt. Um, Harry Maguire with an ankle injury, it looks like he's. Yeah, as you say, he's, he's going to play no part whatsoever. He's he's just going to do a little bit of uh, warming up and jogging on the sideline. I think that that's pretty much my limit to uh, to professional sport as well. But uh, yeah, it's um, it is going to make things a bit unpredictable, especially with a partnership that's not used to being together. Always uh, a chance of you know. Uh, confusion lack of communication giving away a penalty anything like that really could change the game but yeah I mean if you're going to make a change changes in defense do often lead to uh, uh, a few quirks being thrown up and this this could be that um, corridor of uncertainty that we talk about in football and um, you know Harry Maguire obviously has been a, a rock solid force in that team throughout the course of the season so as you say could be fun could be fun but uh, maybe not if you're a Man United fan <laughs> Oh, Bailly's a blooper reel, isn't he? Just, he's just a walking yeah. blooper reel. So, yeah, that, that's definitely going to add something to it I, if he's in the uh, starting eleven tonight. I can kind of just picture two players with their hands on their hips just staring at each other as the Villarreal player wheels away to celebrate. I can just sort of see that kind of situation um, or some sort of penalty incident or handball or some comedy calamity. But, hey, you know, that's part of the fun, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, another selection possible issue or decision that has to be made uh, is who starts in goal for Man United because in the last couple of rounds in the Roma and Granada games, it's been De Gea in goal for Man United. But from Milan um, in the round of 16 and all the group stage, I think it was always Dean Henderson. So they've kind of usually, you know, teams have a, a, a cup goalkeeper, don't they? Yeah. And, a, and, a, and a league goalkeeper, but they seem to have changed a little bit at Man United um, Matt who would you go with tonight in in, in the sticks oh I'd go for De Gea absolutely um, European final experience and we, we all know how good De Gea is 
Um, as as much as I rate Dean Henderson, I, I would um, I'd, I'd just go for experience over um, over youth tonight, just just for that alone. Yeah, um, I think well, you know, De Gea has got the international experience. Um, I, I think it probably will be him um, in in goal. I would have thought just purely, as I say, experience and and all that. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with De Gea. I, I fancy, uh, yeah. Uh, what's your prediction? Give give me a score, Ian, and we'll hold you to account on tomorrow's podcast when you get it horrifically wrong. Uh, well, feel free. Uh, I'm going to go with Man United winning, but I think there will be quite a few goals in there. We've talked about the uh, the defensive frailties, perhaps, that Man United might have with uh, Harry Maguire not being part of things. Um, but also the, the fact that... Um, uh, Villarreal are also not the best team in the world and I fancy it's going to be a, a potential goal extravaganza I'm going to go for um, 3-2 to Man United uh, I'm going to go with a 2-1 Villarreal and Bailly's <laughs> going to score an own goal <laughs> <laughs> oh my god imagine if we do tomorrow's podcast and that is exactly what happens that would be uh, <laughs> would be absolute poetry um, you missed it Matt wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> Mystic Matt yeah uh, anyway we'll leave it there for that uh, we'll see what happens tonight we do have a podcast tomorrow morning as I just mentioned uh, looking back at what happened in the in the finals whether that's a Villarreal slight shock and an Unai Emery repeat of his loving with the Europa League or whether it's uh, um, first Europa League success for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as Man United manager but for now we're going to leave it there and we'll be back after the break to answer your questions on our AQA part of the podcast if you fancy having a flutter on the final tonight in Gdansk, our friends over at Boyle Sports are offering you a £10 no-lose bet on the game between Manchester United and Villarreal. Simply put, you can get your money back when placing £10 on the game tonight. If your first bet on the match loses, you'll have a £10 free bet refunded to your account. Find out more via the Boyle Sports app or visit boylesports.com. T's and C's apply, 18 plus, bet responsibly, begambleaware.org. Welcome back to the final part of Wednesday's Football Social Daily. You know it's Wednesday because I'm on the I'm on the mic again. Three weeks in a row now. Uh, they've not kicked me off. I'm pretty sure Jim's not heard any of the last two uh, two shows I did. But let's keep going and uh, see where it takes us. And it was so the Sam Allardyce oh, triceratops about the dinosaur. I, I was going to say it's the, it was the yeah. triceratops thing that kept you in. I reckon. Do you think it? Yeah, yeah, could have been. Yeah, who knows. We'll see. Uh, we'll see where it goes. Once, once Jim, I've got a feeling I'll have like a performance review in a, in a few months, and Jim will be like, "I believe you talked about a triceratops on the podcast," and I'll be like, uh, "Yeah, kind of." But so, when you make the comparison to Sam Allardyce, I'm sure he's going to understand that. He has to. Yeah, it shouldn't take much explaining. I mean, it's it's, no. it's a shoeing, isn't it? So yeah, absolutely. Anyway, um, let's move on to our questions on the podcast because every week we we punt out for questions and see if anyone wants anything specifically answered and we've got a few replies this week um, we'll start, we'll ask both of you uh, from Angie on Instagram who gets in touch quite a lot and um, is always a big fan of the podcast has been for years um, sometimes gets annoyed when we slate her PSG team uh, supported PSG team but never mind because um, they get a fair, <laughs> they do get a fair stick to be fair but never mind, anyway she asks uh, which team other than the team you support has impressed you or have you enjoyed more than you thought this season? Um, I want to just throw in that my team has not impressed me in the slightest <laughs> in, <laughs> in the entire 38 games. Um, so, I, you know, for me, I would go for Leeds and um, just the way they play. I think the, the, the tactics are, are fantastic. The way they approach the game is, is very entertaining if you're a, a neutral fan. Um, and... I even slightly could could admire uh, Leeds when they smashed us 5-2 at Ellen Road um, back in December, I think it was. So, Ian, you are a Leeds fan, um, other than Leeds, so you can't pick Leeds because um, they've obviously impressed you this season. So who else would you pick? Um, and don't feel obliged to say Steve Bruce. Um, so, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, he did provide some good moments for Leeds fans. Um, let's, let's not. Uh, let's not. Um, yes, points. Uh, yeah, exactly. Brilliant. Um, I would say to go slightly off. You know, you, you can talk about Man City and stuff, and I'm sure that well, Matt probably would. I oh, can't mention that because it's his team. But uh, Man City have been great. But I'm going to go for Leicester City because they have been um, an exciting team to watch. They, they they were a nightmare when when Leeds played them. They're, they're one of the few teams that kind of sort of played Leeds at, at their own game, actually. Um, and 
it's it's just great to see a team that are not just um, together on the pitch, but also together off the pitch too. You can just tell that there's a real atmosphere of togetherness. They're all playing firstly for the manager, but also for the owner as well. There's a huge respect there. And when we've seen what we've seen over the course of the last couple of months with uh, certainly a, a complete lack of connection between the owners of various football clubs and the fans. I think that's not something you can level at Leicester City. They're all in it together. It's a supremely run, run club um, and they're obviously looking to make that next step to, to, and they narrowly missed out this time on getting into the Champions League, but that is something that they are looking to change. And I think that they probably will do it in the next season. And, uh, and you just saw in the FA Cup final as well, obviously winning the FA Cup, fantastic achievement. And, and, and the, the love and support and respect that there is for the owner when you get the owner on the pitch and he's there lifting the cup and he's part of, you know, he's one of the lads kind of thing. Uh, and that's not something you would get with Man United or Arsenal or, or anybody like that. You wouldn't get the owner out on the pitch, certainly with that much love, <laughs> certainly at the moment anyway. Uh, and it, it was great to see. And it's what football's about. And I know that, um, that Leeds are um, trying to emulate the Leicester model in in how the club is run and and you know and and that is certainly something i can see happening you know i think there is a similar appreciation for for the for the management there and i think it's the new way of doing things and the so-called big clubs are um you know need to be watchful of that because just because they're big and have historically been big doesn't mean that they are better and doesn't mean that they're better run and it doesn't mean they have the respect of of everybody that works there and i think that is something that will help in the long run and uh, it's the other way to win, of course. If you haven't got stacks of cash, is to, you know, have a good team that that knows what they're doing and get somewhere. So yeah, for me, Leicester. Yeah, it's certainly hard not to uh, not to admire Leicester as a neutral. Um, it is rare when you have that bond with the the owners. It's uh, it's not something that every club has. You mentioned the the top six there. I mean, other than Man City, who obviously are on on board with their owners, everybody else, possibly Chelsea as well, but. You couldn't imagine that at many other clubs. I mean, I couldn't. I mean, number one, if Newcastle ever got to a cup final, um, Mike Ashley coming down and, uh, and taking it. <laughs> Mike Ashley come down and slap a Sports Direct uh, five ninety nine sticker on the uh, yeah. FA Cup if he ever yeah. got got his grubby little mitts on it. But anyway, um, Matt, who are you going for for your uh, alternate entertainment providers this season? Well, both of your shouts are both brilliant shouts, but I'm going to go with West Ham because West Ham. Uh, at the at the start of the season, everyone had them as being potential relegation candidates. No one gave David Moyes a chance. But what David Moyes has done there with the way he's he's set up his um, up his team might not be the most prettiest on the eye in terms of you know the way they play the football. But what I admire is the way he he has his team together, all doing the same thing, all wanting the same thing, playing on that counter attack, being solid as a unit and all playing for each other and all basically fighting for the same cause. It got them so, so close to the Champions League. No one would have even envisioned that at the start of the season, let alone, you know, finishing in the top six. So I think it obviously, you know, like Leicester, Leeds both play a really entertaining brand of football. But for me, West Ham, just because of the, the, the way that they've turned things around this season and the way David Myers is, um, is getting the best out of his players, you know, like four now, you know, Bowen, you know, Mikel Antonio, they've, they've all they've all been brilliant this season, and I think um, David Moyes deserves a lot of credit for getting um, West Ham into that top six, and hopefully for them, you know, they they can push on from that. They can make a few signings. They can they can um, get a Europa League run going. But we all know how notoriously difficult it is to balance a Europa League campaign with a league campaign, and it happened a few years ago to them when they um, they just finished the last season at Upton Park when they had Dimitri Payet. And they'd just gone to the uh, the Olympic Stadium and they'd, they'd finished, I think it was in the, the top seven in that season. And they, they really struggled the season after. So I just bet, I, I, I hope it isn't the same story next season. But yeah, for me, for me, West Ham, it is a little bit different in terms of like football style, but it's just um, it's just the way that everyone wrote them off at the start of the season. And now they've basically just, they've, they've come in and they've um, the gate crashed the top six and hopefully, yeah, they, they can push up, push on from there. Yeah, well, if you look at the, the table there, West Ham finished, if they had three more points, they'd have finished fourth. Um, and I know you can't, you know, pinpoint exact results, but Newcastle beat them twice this season. Um, and if they had the, if they had them <laughs> six points, they'd have finished third. 
That's how that's how yeah. that's how close they were, West Ham. Um it was only a slight drop off in the past in the last sort of five or six games where they dropped uh, they dropped a couple of points. I think they dropped four points in the the, the last five games. But certainly uh, a very interesting season and a very good season for West Ham. We'll see what they can do over the summer. I think they need a couple of signings to add a bit of, add, a, add a bit of depth and, and see where they go. But Jim's got his passport ready. He's off to uh, the Malta in the qualifying rounds or whatever whoever they uh, they draw. Um, but onto onto good our, news for him. I I, uh, I read the news on a radio station in Malta every day, so it'll be very familiar for him when he gets there. In fact, Malta, Malta's number one radio station. I will I will give him a shout. What's it called? Eight ninety seven Bay. Yeah, I do the news every day. It's uh, it, it, I mean they, it's it's a it's a Maltese language station, but they do English news twice a day, and I'm it. Uh, so. I tell you what, when uh, when eight ninety seven bit FM uh, FC turn over West Ham two 0 on aggregate, you know it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be very yeah. uh, fitting. Imagine him. I can just see Jim sat in the taxi on the way back to the airport. The news comes on, and there I am <laughs> rubbing it in. Yeah, especially if it's on a Tuesday and he had to come back on the Wednesday. I mean, you know, I'll see you tomorrow, Jim. Just drop it in there. Uh, right before this goes on a random tangent into Maltese uh, radio frequencies, uh, we'll move on. To, move on to the next question. Uh, it's from Mike, uh, who, who got in touch with us via Instagram. Um, he left a comment on the post we put out yesterday, uh, and has simply put, "What is your moment of the season? Because is there anything close to Allison's header for Liverpool?" Uh, Matt, I don't think somehow you're going to go for Liverpool goalkeeper heading in a header against West Brom. So, no. Well, let's just get it out of the way. Which is uh, which <laughs> is your your uh, moment of the season? If it's if it's anything other than Aguero, I'd be I'd be shocked. <laughs> Well, you've just give it away, Marley. Now um, we all we all knew what was coming out of my mouth there. Um, yeah, Aguero finishing his career at City the way he started with a brace, coming off the bench in the uh, the fifty eighth minute, which was his choice, by the way. It was his choice to come on at that because it was a bit of sentiment from himself. And yeah, two fan- two fantastic finishes from Aguero, and it just. Watching that back made just me think like, why, why, why do you have to go? But you know, when you think about the, the bigger picture, his, his injuries really haven't helped, and you know, he's, he's he's been at the club ten years now, and that seems to be the cycle with with things like with David Silver as well, and you know, Zabalat wasn't far off, and neither was Yaya Torre, so that seems to be the cycle now, and you know, some some things need to come to an end, and this was the uh, the the last one the, from the Mancini title winning team, so yeah, it, it's sad and. You know, it's going to be weird seeing another player wearing a number 10 shirt, but apparently Aguero's suggested to the club that um, Phil Foden wear it. So, yeah, that would be, um, be a fantastic uh, replacement for that number 10 shirt. Um, in terms of replacing him, you can never replace Sergio Aguero. You can never replace someone of, um, of, 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 of that brilliance and the, the moments that he's provided for the club. Yeah, he's he's been fantastic, and I'm, I'm I'm really sad to see him go. But I'm obviously he's got one more game to play. It was his last game in the Etihad, but not his last game as a whole. Maybe he's still got um, a say in what happens with the uh, the Champions League, and you know, even more that'd be even more poetic if he if we could have a say against Chelsea on Saturday. Yeah, hundred percent. He's definitely got that in his locker, hasn't he? He's got that last little bit of drama um, after instant headlines. As soon as he made his debut, two goals against Swansea. I think that is. I think I seen a start of the weekend actually said that nobody has scored two goals after coming on as a substitute in the time that Aguero has for Man City. So there's only ever been him scoring twice off the bench, and one was his debut against Swansea. One yeah. was his last game against uh, Everton at the weekend. Well, he's so. got the best minutes per goal ratio in Premier League history, aren't he? So yeah, that really doesn't surprise me. Yeah, well. It's, He's still not as good as Shearer, like, but you know. No, we'll, no, in terms, no. We'll yeah, move on. Hey, yeah, we'll move on from that one. That's a whole different conversation. <laughs> that's, a, that's an entire new podcast on its own. But uh, Ian, what was your uh, moment of the season? Because there's, there's probably been a few standout for Leeds, but um, what what one would you pinpoint as the uh, as the best? It doesn't have to be from Leeds, by the way. It could be from from any team or anything. Yeah, well, I mean, the whole of Leeds' season has, has been a high point. I think when 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 Leeds obviously were promoted. Uh, a lot of experts. Uh, it, we we know who they are, but largely Paul Merson. Um, old people around him uh, were uh, saying, you know, there's no <laughs> we'll way. Call that... him an expert. No, well, you know, but you know, we talked about this last week. The old Bielsa burnout thing has been torched, and I think so will the um, second season syndrome, which now people are trotting out. Um, so it's just been fantastic because 
you know they've played there they've stuck by their guns they've played their game and and they've shown that it works so, but that wasn't actually my moment I was going to choose I wasn't actually going to choose anything to do with Leeds to be honest I was going to go something off the field and I was going to single out um, bizarrely um, Gary Neville and Chelsea fans uh, as being the moment of the season because without Gary Neville getting on his high horse and really whipping people up and without Chelsea fans protesting outside their stadium um, you know fairly breaching Covid guidelines and stuff but you know the, the right to protest it was pre- preserved in law so they were they were alright um, but they did that big protest outside Stamford Bridge before that Brighton game and those key moments really I think ignited the fight against this European Super League business because without those really getting on their high horse I think maybe they the, the the people involved in this the powers that be might have succeeded or certainly got a little bit closer than they actually did with this whole project of trying to steamroll it through dead quickly before it while it while nobody was looking which is what they were trying to do and good on them for standing up and good on the fans for standing up, regardless of the club, you know, whether it's Man United, whether it's Man City, whether it's Tottenham, whoever protested, because I think that was the moment of the season in terms of if we, if we didn't have that, we might not have a Premier League next year. We certainly wouldn't have one with all the teams that we love seeing the most in there as well. And, uh, and the reason that makes the Premier League great is because you can have any team in our country can work hard and get promoted through the ranks and any, anybody can play uh, you know, any, anyone else, you know, it, it is that dream that the, the, the small man who's currently in League Two in, in a few years could eventually get themselves to the Premier League. It's very difficult, but it's possible. And without that, they would never have that dream of playing the big, uh, the big boys uh, and it would just completely devalue our game. So I think that um, fight back is the moment of the season for me. Glad you mentioned that as well, because, you know, we talk about the Super League and we talk about, you know, the, this closed door of, um, you know, we, we're playing our game and everyone else can bugger off. We've seen it around Europe at the at the, uh, the weekend. Lille, Lille beating PSG and stuffing all their oil money back down the, down the throats and saying, well, we beat you anyway with a, a 37-year-old Jose Font as a centre-back and a 35-year-old Burak Yilmaz who scored 25 goals in, in the season and arrived on a free transfer. That was... Something which wouldn't have happened if the Super League would would have uh, gathered pace and, and ultimately become uh, a concrete thing. So you've seen Lille over, overcoming PSG. You've seen uh, Leicester winning the FA Cup. You've even seen, I mean, I know they were involved in it, but you even seen Atletico ending the Barcelona-Real Madrid dominance um, in, in Spain. So, you know, we've seen moments like that. It's certainly the uh, the standout moment for for football as a whole. Um so yeah, it's a pretty good selection that Ian, and glad you uh, glad you mentioned it. I'm not going to do mine because um, it was basically it, it was Aguero or Allison, and we've we've talked about them a lot in the past. Uh, certainly wasn't as I mentioned the other day when Steve Ruth decided to play two false tens in defensive in defensive <laughs> midfield, and I realised actually when when we come off that podcast, anyone that listened to it and said, "I wonder what game that was," it was the Sheffield United game. When uh, when we lost one nil to the to a Sheffield United game that had gone to Sheffield to a Sheffield United team I should say sorry uh, that had gone sixteen games without a win um, and ended up turning us over on their seventeenth attempt so <laughs> big thank you to Steve uh, oh also want to mention that uh, Graham Graham Jones has done really well to get in the England selection um, the Newcastle coach that came in around January and he was a massive part of how Newcastle stayed up this season and turned it round in that sort of second half of the season and won five out of the last eight games because somebody came in and said to Steve Bruce, there's these things called tactics and if you use them, you tend to win a few more games. Um, <laughs> and Graham Jones, he's been huge for, for us, especially from an attacking uh, point. So we'll see what he can do uh, when he gets on the train to the Euros this summer. Um, but there is one man? last question. Um, on the podcast that we'll go through today before we wrap up and I mentioned for anyone that doesn't know so last night I sent these these guys an email saying about what we're going to talk about and prepare your, your England squads and whatever you have to think about it overnight um, and I, I put on it that there's one last question which I'm going to spring on one of you at the end so you don't have time to prepare for it but that is kind of the point and it comes from Angie and who also asked the question before about uh, which teams impressed you the most and it's one for Ian, oh, who, <laughs> and she said, are you ever going to tell us the Chris Wilder story? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 I forgot about this one. Ah, uh, well, 
No. <laughs> no. <laughs> the anticlimax. <laughs> right, it goes. I'll tell you what. I will tell. I can tell. I, no, I can't. <laughs> don't, feel, don't feel you. Don't feel pressured. I mean, all I can know. tell you is that it it was a conversation. Um, we were at the playoff, going to the playoff final. He was. We were working together. We've got the playoff final in Cardiff. I think it was what two thousand and two or something like that. And um, yeah, all I can say is that we were in Bristol. Um, it was a Sunday night. It was in the days when things closed uh, reasonably early, around about 10.30. There was nowhere else to get a drink than a room service. And um, what happened beyond that door will remain beyond that door um, for <laughs> wow. uh, legal and libel reasons. <laughs> wow. And that is the perfect place to wrap up Wednesday's podcast, I think. Um, but yeah, thank you for, for joining me, Ian and Matt. I, I'm going to try and work out, I don't know whether I should think more about what happened on that fateful Sunday night in Bristol, I think we should use our um, imaginations. I I'm I might not if it's all right. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's, it's it's one of those <laughs> it's one of those things. You know, the the story of it's, it's like what's in Alan Partridge's drawer or in uh, in, in Compo's matchbox. It's it, it's a bit like that. It's it's yeah. It's best left to the imagination. For okay. everybody's sake. Well, sorry, Angie. We we did try. <laughs> Fair play, Angie. <laughs> We're Fair gonna, play, we'll Angie. And... Thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for asking though. And then it's it's great that it's keeping you wondering. I'm going to keep that wonderance <laughs> going. I think a bit longer. <laughs> well, we'll uh, we maybe try again next season, but we're going to wrap it up to the uh, there for today's podcast. That is Wednesday's podcast done and dusted. Um, as you might know, um, as been mentioned on previous podcasts, we're down to three podcasts a week until the Euros start um, in a couple of weeks' time. I think it's a week on Friday, so not long at all. That's the eleventh of June, um, but we do have one tomorrow and Friday, so that's kind of just uh, ruined what I've just said. So we've got one tomorrow because of the. Europa League final tonight. Uh, we've got one on Friday. Looking forward to the Champions League final on uh, Saturday night. We've got one on Sunday. Looking back at the Champions League final. Come on, um, and then we're back next week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then we're into Euros week after that. So uh, join us then. Um, and in the meantime, check out the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you haven't already, we've got over 50 podcasts on there now, I think. Um, and there's everything from snooker speedway uh wrestling all kinds of stuff on there so let's have a look at that find another podcast that will um because obviously you're not listening to, not listening to football social daily five times a week as you or seven times a week as you always are so you've got a little bit more time in your day to find something else uh look on sports social podcast network to find that uh but we'll wrap it up today for now ian thank you very much thank you and matt thank you very much hopefully nice one, you've got Marla. your villarreal shirt iron tonight ready to sit in your front room and slag off eric Bailly when yeah the yellow the submarines ready to go tonight <laughs> all right we'll leave it there on football social daily join us again tomorrow for a look back at the europa league final see you then Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.